Good morning, church family and church friends. Welcome to New Beginnings Christian Community Church, the Church of Reconciliation. We are blessed, blessed that you're joining us this morning. Today's scripture is a very well-known scripture. Even if you're not a Bible reader, you probably have heard the story. The resurrection of Lazarus, found in John 11. It is said that it was one of the most unique and greatest miracles manifested during the ministry of Jesus. And I'm excited that we're going to be able to share this today. Let us pray. Most living and loving God, we thank you for this day. And we ask, Father God, that you um, just open our hearts, open our minds, God, open our ears so that we can clearly hear the message that you have for us today. I pray, Holy One, that you make me small so that your word may be magnified. And then you remove any gaps between your will and my words this morning. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The scriptures in the book of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. It is a very lengthy scripture. However, I think it's important um, for those that have not read the scripture before to get to hear it and read it for the first time. And it's a good refresher for those of us that have already um, read the scripture. And it says this in the book of John 11, verses 1 through 45, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. 
and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her asleep, also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, if you had been here, this would not have happened. Can any of us identify with how they must have felt? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What drives us to the point where we ask God that question. One thing that I can tell you from my own experience is disappointment. When we feel God didn't do what we needed him or wanted him to do. In all honesty and full transparency, today's message will not be for everyone. There are those people who perhaps have never gotten to the point of questioning God. And, and I can understand that, especially if growing up you were taught not to question authority. I can tell you, if you were raised by a Hispanic mom, you learned at a very young age not to question them. And if you asked, why mom? And if they decided to humor you with a response, you got the universal response, because I am your mother, that's why. And that is all you needed to know. And we've just learned to do that with God. Not that we don't have questions. Not that we understand why. 
Not that we don't feel the pain and suffering and disappointment. No, no. We feel all those things. It's just that we've learned not to question it, or at least not do it out loud. Today's message is for those that have gone beyond that point. Today's message is for those that life has happened, that pain, suffering, and disappointment has happened to the point that we say, why, why God? And maybe initially we feel horrible for doing that. I think that we think that, that in heaven everything is great and the, and the angels are playing their harps. And then when our question of why God reaches the heavens, we imagine that everything stops and the angels stop playing and, and everybody gasps and says, Oh no, he didn't. But maybe for the very first time in years and maybe in an entire journey, is the first time that we are being fully honest with God. See, I love this scripture because we see, we recognize, and we can identify with Mary and Martha. We see how, how disappointed they were. And I love it because, because, you know, especially in church, we don't do a good job at voicing at acknowledging the issues that are happening at home sometimes. You know, Reverend T.D. Jake says, I love this because most of us that are church people, see, we, we, we start sharing our stories, and when we're going to get to the ugly part, when we're going to get to the messy part, you know, we start breaking out in worship or breaking out in tongues because we don't want to acknowledge the problems. But here we see that there were problems with Mary and Martha and how they were feeling about Jesus. We see here that their faith was broken just a little bit. And I'm glad that we're able to see that because we also get to see how Jesus responds. Lord, if you had been here, how many times have you and I asked that question? And maybe you are asking that question right now. Lord, if you had been here, my mom would not have died. If you had been here, my father would not have left us. If you had been here, Lord, my marriage would not have fallen apart. If you had been here, Lord, my son would not be out there lost. If you had been here, if you heard my prayers, you would heal me. I prayed, and even after I prayed some more, the worst still happened. And we say, why, God? The truth is, there are some questions that we are not going to get acceptable answers or answers at all. You know, I think of an example that I share um, during funerals in which, in which I say, imagine if this room went completely dark. Imagine if where you are, it just went completely dark and you couldn't see anything in front of you. And we naturally ask the question, what happened? And imagine that somebody tells you exactly what happened. Somebody can say, oh, there was an accident down the street and they hit a light post and it knocked out all the electricity. Maybe somebody can tell you that something happened and it tripped the breaker and that's why the lights went out. And now you have the exact information of what happened, but it doesn't really help you because you're still in the dark. And information is not always going to get us out of that place of doubt. In fact, sometimes it just makes us go deeper into it. So, so perhaps we need to change the perspective a little bit. And perhaps instead of asking why, the question that we should ask if we're in that dark room is, does somebody have a light? Can somebody help guide us out of this? 
darkness. And it is my prayer that today's message will help us, guide us through this journey of sometimes doubt and difficulty and give us that light that says, can somebody help me get out of this dark place? So today I want us to look at three life application points that I think will help us in this journey. Life application point number one is we must assess our expectations. How many of us can say, I can be a good friend? You know, we have heard the way to have a good friend is to be a good friend. So, so how many of us can say, I am a good friend, and in fact, I have that friend that can validate that. I have that friend that can tell you that I have been with them, with him or her during the hard times. I can tell you that, that I've de dedicated time. I've even helped with money. I have, I've even gotten in trouble because of it. I can, I can show you somebody that can validate that I have been a good friend. But what happens when the tables are turned? And we need something, and that friend or friends do not respond in kind. Let's be honest. What happens when that happens? We say, this is how you're going to repay me? And maybe we don't say it out loud, but, that, but maybe we think it. If I had known that this is how you were going to repay me, I would not have done any of these things. If I had known that this is what you were, that I wasn't going to be able to count on you, then maybe I would not have invested this much time. And that is the reality. We, we're say, we say, you know what, we're done. I'm done. I'm done with you. And the problem is that we want to treat Jesus the same way. Now, now listen, it's not that we do it on purpose. It's not that, that, we, that we plan to do this, but we do get into that mentality, and we subscribe to that sometimes, or many times. And so we want to treat Jesus the same way. See, we love that Jesus is our friend. We sing, I am a friend of God. Scripture tells us that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were friends of Jesus. Scripture tells us that Jesus loved them. It was Mary that poured perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. So, so, they sent word to Jesus when Lazarus got sick. They sent word to him to say, you know, Lazarus is sick. And because of the relationship, because of the friendship, I'm sure that they expected that the moment that Jesus heard the news, he was just going to drop whatever he was doing and he was going to head over to see his friend and his family, his friends that, they, that he loved. It says that Martha went to wait for him. Because she thought, surely, once he hears the news, he is going to come. And so she went out to wait for Jesus. And I can imagine that she stood there and looked out. And looked out. And looked out. And he didn't come. Beloved, there's nothing wrong with going to God with our petitions and our supplications. And there's nothing wrong when we worship him because he is a good, good father. The problem is, is that we, when our worship becomes conditional, when, when we worship because he is answering every prayer request that we've submitted, but, but when we get to the point to say, answer my prayer or else, and again, we don't say it out loud, but I know that we think that. 
And when our worship becomes conditional, that's when we have to assess our expectation. When our worship becomes conditional, we are no longer treating God as God. He has become our servant. Our worship and service become some kind of retainer for when we need his services. And somehow, the authority has changed. The authority has shifted. Just answer my prayer, Jesus. Don't ask me why, just do it. It's not like I'm asking you for huge things. It's not like I'm asking you to make me a millionaire. I'm just saying, help me get through these difficult times. It's not like I'm telling, asking you to give me this promotion. I am just asking you to help me with this one little thing. Don't ask me why, just do it. How do we know that we've gotten to that point? Look at Mary's response. Did she have reason to be disappointed? Yes. Jesus was just two miles away. He got the message. And he didn't come to heal him. He didn't even make it to the funeral. And then when they hear Jesus is coming, look at Mary's reaction. Mary decided, I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to go meet him. One of the ministers that I listened to said, she probably said, I don't want to talk to you. And church, when we get to that place of disappointment, and when our worship becomes conditional, and, and when we don't keep, keep our expectations in check, the first thing that we want to do is we don't want to pray anymore. It changes our prayer life. The second thing that happens when we get to that place is we don't even want to go to see Jesus. We don't even want to go worship. We don't even want to go to church. We stay home. Does that sound familiar? When Jesus is not answering the way we want him to, we get to the point and say, why pray? Why go? I have been going to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and yet this is what happens. What's the point? What are our expectations of God? Has our worship become conditional? And it's important that we assess those expectations this morning. Life application point number two. Do you believe? See, this is, this is really important, especially for those of us that have been, church, been in church for a while. Or those of us that always have a, a word or a scripture to quote when someone is going through a difficult time. And we take scripture that should provide comfort and life, and we treat it as some kind of cliche. We see in verse 24 that when Jesus tells, asks Martha, do you believe that he will rise again? Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And see, we get to a point where we say, yes, I know. Yes, I know. You know, I remember when my mom passed away. And I remember that, that people were hugging me and, and, and they were with good intentions telling me how, you know, she's in a better place and, and how she's resting now and, and how soon we were gonna get to see each other again. And, and all those things were true but it didn't minister to the depths of my pain. And, and here God is saying, do you believe 
that I am God, even if you don't get everything that you want. And I think what happens or what was happening to me at that time is that the, we take the question, do you believe? And we translate it in our minds and, and think that it, he's asking, do you understand? Oh, see, there's a difference. Do you believe is the question, not do you understand? See, see here in the scripture, he didn't ask Martha, do you be, he asked her, do you believe? He didn't say, do you understand? He didn't say, are you good with the answer? He didn't say, does it, did it, make, does it make sense to you? His question was, do you believe? See, church, we live in a world in where we say we've got to see it in order to believe it. And the problem is that that is not faith. That is seeing the problem through our eyes. Faith is seeing the problem through God's eyes. And it is important that we shift that perspective, that we understand that we must believe this. Because if we believe that it's got to be something that we understand, then that means that, that we expect that the results, that the answer will be in our hands. But if we believe, if we trust, if we hold on to our faith, if we believe that God is in control, then the solution is in God's hands. And that's when we believe that He will make a way, even when there seems to be no way. There's an important part to this um, verses that, that, you know what, I have been reading this scripture for several years now. I've preached on it a couple of times, and this is the first time that I actually captured this one, where it says, but even now, Martha says, yes, I believe, and yes, he's been dead for four days, but even now, I believe that if you ask God, he will give you what you ask for. And this should be very comforting for those of us who have just given up. For those that have just accepted it. For those who think it's too late. Martha says, just leave it alone. It's been four days. It's even stinking of death now. Have we gotten to that point? Where we're, where we're using the words... It's never going to change. It's gone. It's not going to get any better. Oh, we've been trying for years. It's just not in the plan for us. Have we gotten to that point? Because if we have, and I know I'm speaking to a lot of people out there, we've gotten to that point, and today is the day that you hear these words for the very first time with freshness in your spirit. But even now, even now, right now, regardless of how long it's been, regardless of how stinky the situation is, regardless of, of how hard you've tried, even now, even today, even now, God will grant us what we ask for. I love the part where Jesus says, show me where you laid him. And I believe that for those of us that, that are struggling right now, I believe that it is Jesus saying to us this morning, show me. Show me where you lost your faith. Show me where you lost your hope. Show me where you lost your joy. Show me exactly where it happened that you just gave up. To us, 
these words are power, even now. Will you let God be God? Will you today start speaking life into your situation? Don't let what you don't know about God cast doubt on what you do know about God. Will you, where you are right now, will you show him exactly where it is that you laid your faith and your joy and your hope and allow him to call you out? Life application point number three is we must trust in the promise. Verse 4 says, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. The sickness will not end in death. That was the end result. Jesus here, that is the promise. Yes, I know he's sick. And yes, we might hear that he died. But that is not the end. That is not what this is going to, how this is going to end. This is going to be so that God's Son may be glorified. The sickness will not end in death. And those were the promises. That is a promise that Jesus made. You know, when I think about this, um, I think about the GPS system. In the beginning of our journey, wherever our destination is, the first thing that you do is you enter the destination. This is exactly where you are going. You put in the address of where you need to go. And then the navigation system will take you to the destination. And what do you and I have to do? It's just drive and just follow what it tells you to do. But see, this is what happens. Oh, but I think I know a better way. Oh, um, I see where I need to go, so I'm going to try to just cut through here to try to get there. You know, I think of our um, experiences. Mike and I um, took a road trip, and we were in Connecticut, and we drove to New York, and, and we, were, um, we had never driven before. And so on our way there, we had put the destination on our GPS, and it was telling us exactly where we needed to go. But there was a, a moment in where we needed to make a pit stop. And, um, and so we got off the expressway or the highway, and we went into this area of um, New York that it, it was it was very different and, and it was even a little scary. And, and uh, we're looking at each other saying, oh my God, where did we end up? And the reality though is that this is not where our destination was. It is just where we had to go through because we needed to go through that. But once we got back and listening to the GPS and telling us where we needed to go and just following every instruction. And there was a point where we could see where we wanted to go. We were here and we could see it there, but the GPS is telling us to go this other direction. And we're saying, no, let's just try to find it on our own. And we couldn't. We got to where we could see it, but we couldn't get there. And it wasn't until, again, we followed the GPS instructions and when through the path that it needed to take us, that it took us straight to where we needed to go. Because sometimes, church, we the only way to get to it is when we get through the path that we have to get through. And we must understand that our destination is victory, victory that will give God glory, and it will take us through various routes, and that's okay. You just 
don't stop there. You, you have to keep going until you get there. Imagine if when we got into that scary part, if Mike and I had just stopped and said, what now? But, but what we did know is that that was not our final destination. And we had put in the address into our GPS system. The only thing that we needed to do was we needed to be obedient to what he was telling us to do. And, and church, that is what you and I, we need to do that today. We must depend on his promise that says victory is ours, says the Lord. And yes, sometimes we're going to go through some scary moments. Sometimes we're going to cry. Sometimes it's going to feel like we're lost. But the reality is, church, that victory is our destination. And we must believe, not try to understand it, but believe. See, we will see glory. You know, I read in my studies, and it's interesting, and it was actually profound and a little uneasy when I read this statement. But it says, what gives God glory doesn't necessarily bring us pleasure. You know, it says, the Mercedes in the garage, that doesn't give God pleasure. That doesn't give God glory. All you need is good credit to be able to do that. You know, the certificate on the wall, that doesn't give God glory necessarily. All you need is to apply yourself and study hard. That promotion that you work so hard to do, that doesn't always necessarily glorify God. Anyone with good work ethics can get that. The balance on our bank accounts, that doesn't glorify, glorify God. Even thieves and money launderers have big bank accounts. All those things can be accomplished by people who aren't, are unbelievers. And all those things do not let your neighbor, your friends, your co-workers, and your family know that God is a powerful God. It's when we go through hell and we hold tightly to God, not on what we understand, but on what we believe that is going to bring us through it and it's going to keep us together. That is what brings God glory. When we go through these difficult situations and people look at us and we're still holding together and we're still praising God and people look at us going through that situation and look at God bringing us through that situation and they ask, how? How do you stay so calm? How, how are you able to go to church when it seems like everything's falling apart? That is what brings God glory when we're able to testify to his goodness when we're able to testify it's only by the grace of God because some might see difficulties I see sufficient grace some might not see the the answers and I say my faith says that I must trust in God and that he will make a way even when there is no way he will make a way and he will order my steps this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Most living and loving God, we thank you for this message. And we thank you, Father God, because today we hear loud and clear, God, that, that the destination, God, in our journey is victory. And the victory that you've already paid for. 
And so, Father God, I just ask that you give us clarity of thought, God, as we're going through these difficult times, God. That you give us the right perspective, God, and stop trying to, to look at these things through our eyes, God, that, that have many limitations, and, and be able to see these things through God's eyes. And where we understand that there is no limits. And then, Father God, instead of asking for, for things that, that we understand, instead of asking for, for things that we, that, that, that we are able to, to justify or, or come up with some formula, God, may we hold tightly to knowing that it's about what we believe. And that, yes, His thoughts are not our thoughts and His ways are not our ways. But we can rest assured that even now, even now, regardless of how difficult the situation is, even now, we will see God glorify. And He will make a way. And He will order our steps. And we thank you, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to go to our website, nb-ccc.org, and send us your prayer requests. And you also have the opportunity to give your tithes and your offerings. Stay connected, remain safe, and we will see you next week. God bless you.